shows augmented reality and the dark side. Check out their Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker dark side headphones and new Star Wars app for an exclusive and immersive AR audio experience. Visit Bose.com slash Rebel Force to learn more. Did you hear that? Rebel Force Radio presents Bounty Hunting is a Complicated Profession. This is the RFR Mandalorian After Show. Oh yeah, the penultimate episode of Mandalorian Season 1. We're at Chapter 7. The Reckoning. I reckon we have a lot to talk about tonight. The... uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened in this episode, and it should quiet some of the complaints that we've been hearing here and there by those saying, well, I think I feel like the show's stuck already. Is the show stuck? It seems like it's a little bit of the same every week. Mando meets somebody. He's got to fix his ship. He's got to help someone. Someone comes after the kid. Well, see, but it's all been leading to something. And somewhere, and I think this episode showed us where it's been leading to as he's been assembling his band of merry men and women and droids. And uh, we're going to break it all down for you and have you, uh, of course, chime in with your thoughts as well by giving us a call. But before I do that, I'm not at this alone. Thank goodness I have, of course, joining me as always, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Mandomaniacs. How am I supposed to concentrate on episode nine with Baby Yoda being out there away from us under Imperial control? It's too early in the show for me to be having a total nervous breakdown, but I'm having one right in front of every in front of everyone because our sweet baby Yoda is in the uh, hands of the bad guys. The clutches. I think George would have said the clutches. The clutches. It's in the clutches uh, of baby the, Yoda. Of the uh, vile uh, imps. Uh, baby Yoda, we, you know, baby Yoda uh, is in the clutches. And if you thought it, that uh, Herzog was hateful. I want to hear hateful. George Lucas talk about baby Yoda, by the way. I, I, I want to hear that. him say the words baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. But what are we going to do, man? How are we going to even continue to go on? There's so much big Star Wars stuff happening this week, and I can't focus on anything. Yeah. Knowing that sweet, sweet baby Yoda is in the clutches well, of evil. I wondered why he didn't show up to the premiere of Rise of Skywalker last night. I'm like, where's baby Yoda? Well, we know now. He's being held prisoner by Moff Gideon, was, his goons. I, 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 you know, I, I was uh, thinking the same thing. After I was like, where's Adam Driver? I was like, where's Baby Yoda? Oh, did oh did Driver not show up either? I don't know. I never saw any photos of him uh, or anything. So. Well, but that like doesn't that. matter. Yeah, he's We're like here that. to talk about Mandalorian. I've been avoiding all Rise of Skywalker uh, discourse, diatribes, reviews, tweets, anything. I've been avoiding all of it. And I don't want to get into it tonight. Yeah. I want to talk about nothing but the Mandalorian and our loss of sweet baby Yoda. <laughs> is that, if, uh, this, 
Santa hat. Those of you that are just listening, you don't know that I am decked out for the uh, holiday season. I actually just finished my nog. See, nothing left. And, I can't. Uh, I cannot see. I do not oh, have was, uh, visual. Was, oh, you don't have visual. Oh, we got to fix oh. that. But I, I was, um, uh, I was drinking the nog. I've got the, uh, I've got the festive Santa hat on, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'm trying to uh, keep up appearances for the holidays, and keep people uh, in the holiday spirit because it's really tough now, as you know, Jim, with these Star Wars happenings. Going on during the holiday season, it just make it just makes life very, very hectic, and I don't want to lose sight of what's important this time of year. So that's and, that. I'm wearing the visual cues to remind you. Well, I don't see any visual cue reminding me of Baby Yoda, and there's nothing more important <laughs> to me this time of year than than that uh, sweet little guy. So, uh, okay, I mean, you know, I'll you be should have visual to, contact I, now. By the way. I do. I all do. right, I all right. There we go. You look okay. right there with yeah. your Santa hat on and your yeah. Rebel Force Radio shirt. It all matches. It's quite available the at RebelForceRadio.com, by the way. Very nice. A lot of people have told me they've uh, they're making sure their shirts are all laundered and ready to go for our big weekend as Skywalker rises in Ohio and uh, all of that. But again, we're not here to talk about any of that. No, nope. we are here to talk about the Mandalorian and this incredible. Chapter 7 that debuted today And uh, We got our cliffhanger I thought it was going to hit us last week But it hit us this week Square in the gut As uh, Biker scouts took off With our a, bundle of green joy It was a double whammy It was a double whammy But let's we'll get into that But let's, uh, let me share with you the, the tale of the tape For this particular episode We are talking about chapter 7 The Reckoning uh, again, still in season one, and this was uh, directed by the great and extremely talented Deborah Chow, uh, and written by John Favreau. And the original air date, as Jim said, was uh, December eighteenth, two thousand nineteen, giving us a rare Wednesday premiere of a Mandalorian episode. And the running time on this was thirty-eight minutes. And um, I- I'm told that there was a guest appearance by a guy named Adam Pally. As one of the scout troopers, does that name ring a bell to you? I, I can't say it does. No, Adam Pally. Yeah. No. All right. I'm gonna find out. Oh, uh, what is he? He's a comedian. What, what's with all these comedians on this show? This has more comedians on it than you know. Showtime at the Apollo. Uh, this guy, American actor, comedian. He was in uh, Happy Endings. Oh, he was uh, he was Doctor Peter. In the Mindy Project. All right. Well, whatever. Anyway, I guess he was one of the biker scouts who Uh were fantastic to see. I got to say, I loved seeing the biker scouts. Um, I mean, this felt because of the imperial presence. And that that was sort of a running joke throughout the episode. You know, Kara kept saying to Grief Karga, like, you said four stormtroopers. You know, four stormtroopers became eight. And then those became 20 and then you had death troopers in there then you have biker scouts i mean it this thing felt like you know we say mandalorian feels so ot original trilogy to us uh but man this really had all the feels because you had this incredible presence of these troopers and jim we now know that this was likely the episode that john favreau and dave filoni talked when they had to um commandeer a couple of uh battalions of 501st 
Oh uh, yeah, without question. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah, the extras to fill out this scene. Notice a lot of them lacked the grit and grime that many of these remnant stormtroopers have uh, been displaying. Just uh, you know, battered down armor, dirty, scuffed, not up to imperial standards. Yeah. But this group that showed up in this episode tonight. Was uh, we had some shinies in there? We definitely had some shinies. What I found most impressive was the Star Wars live-action debut of the Imperial Troop Transport. What a thrill ah, it was! That was yeah. cool. Yes. Now, of course, we were exposed to that particular model in Star Wars Rebels season one, uh-huh. but this is the first time we've actually seen it in live action. It is one of the old school Kenner ideas for a vehicle that was just off camera during a new hope. And it was released, uh, between the eras, uh, separating the original star Wars and empire strikes back the late seventies. And the toy came out with a backstory about its usage in a new hope. It was the actual troop transport that delivered the stormtroopers to the Jawa Sandcrawler, the same Jawas that sold R2 and 3PO to the Lars family. And uh, it was um, the attack on that Sandcrawler by the Imperial Troop Transport that uh, eventually led to that destruction. There it is. Jason just put it up on screen a great old picture of the uh, Imperial Troop Transport from the 70s. Toy canon only but it did make an appearance in the old vintage marvel star wars comics and then of course it was brought back a little modified to uh bring the troops around in star wars rebels and but i mean to see it live oh that was awesome and it was like a it was like a clown car they just kept coming out of the thing you know it reminded me a little bit of uh you know when the battle droids on uh, on Naboo start getting off of uh, off of uh, off of that uh, vehicle. You know what I mean? And they just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. It just looked like the, the thing wasn't big enough to carry all those troops, which well, very similar to the toy. I think they were running around from like uh, behind the corners and other buildings. They uh, oh, that could be. They didn't park all their Imperial Troop transports right uh, out there in the open. Uh, some of them had to walk a block or so. Uh, hmm. It was festival parking. Oh, there. well, right, right, right. All the so meters they, were full. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, so, I mean, this the Imperial presence in this episode was uh, really, really great to see. Um, but the, the, the episode begins with, uh, with Mando, and last time... Um, we saw him. Uh, he um, had just. When was it the last time? I'm I'm blanking all of a sudden. What was it? Six. Well, we we saw the uh, the big attack on the New Republic prison ship uh, in the last episode. And uh, oh man, my gosh, man! That's what happens saw, he, when you don't have a he, full week. He was leaving uh, Rand's. That's right. As uh, the New Republic X-wings were attacking it. Yes, 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 and and uh, he had left. Um, Quinn, uh, with Ran there, and um, you know the, when the when the episode began and they were doing the uh, you know the catch up last time on the Mandalorian they showed they showed Quinn and I thought well that's interesting usually they show characters that are going to show up in the 
in the new episode. Right. Uh, but it was that specific line of dialogue that I think was important to latch on to. When the Mando was pointing his blaster at Quinn, Quinn says, you're a man of honor. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think that's what they wanted you to carry with you as you went into this chapter seven episode. That the Mandalorian is a guy who has morals. He has a code of ethics. And he uh, is a man who does uh, answer to his, his morals, for sure. Yeah. He, he knows uh, the difference between right and wrong. Yeah. Well, but um, when, when, you, when you have these crooks, these seedy underworld characters throwing around things like man of honor and code and all of that, that's all relative, right? I mean, we're not necessarily who, – who is Quinn to say what, what, is, what is honor or what is morality? Uh, so it, it, it's, it's definitely um, – what do they call that? Um, amongst thieves, that old cliche. Honor amongst thieves. Honor amongst thieves, exactly. So, um, so I was surprised, I, but you, yeah, like you picked up on it that um, – it was more about the, the context of that line, and it does keep showing up. But Grief Karga uh, makes contact with Mando, kind of a Hail Mary. He assumes that he's out there, alive, and he's right. So this is sort of like, you know, meeting the, uh, the girl on top of the Empire State Building. You hope she gets the message. <laughs> and But before Mando decides to do that, he's going to go back, and he's going to pick up this cast of characters that Dave Filoni and John Favreau uh, and the whole creative team of Mandalorian have so beautifully unveiled and revealed to us. And right. uh, so for those that are saying, well, this, you know, where's the where's the overarching plot or they've lost track of the overarching plot? I, I really do think that this was all uh, clearly by design. And I don't think that they were really wasting any time. They were establishing character. This is yeah. something, you know, this is something we don't get necessarily uh, a chance to do in animation but in live That's action we're establishing character yeah and so i think uh steve put it best last week steve glossin from geek out loud he said he compared it to the old x files where you had certain episodes that would be uh spotted across the season that would ex expand on the mythology right the things like the uh conspiracy to cover up alien invasions and the old um, black ink in the eyeballs, you know, that stuff was recurring. Those were recurring themes that would come up in the X-Files and actually wove throughout all of the episodes. But with uh, Mandalorian, I, I think we're getting a similar approach. I th just think it's so amplified because of the shortness of the season, only eight episodes. So people demand to get content that fills out a Wikipedia entry for each and every episode. When sometimes you just have to surrender to the fact that we're watching an adventure show. So right. occasionally we're going to go on adventures. Exactly. The, 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 the way this series is steeped in old Westerns, samurai films and action serials of old school Hollywood is obvious along the way. And that might not fit into the way people download content nowadays. Right. right. This is something we need to experience. We don't need to download it. We don't need to fill out Wikipedia pages. We don't need to have extra entries into whatever 
data bank you're looking at. Sometimes you just got to let the story unfold because in the course of that, you learn more about the characters as opposed to just sitting there listening to them talk. Right. And talk and talk. People seem to really like that nowadays. I'd rather learn more about these characters by seeing them in practical situations, by seeing them on adventures, and by seeing their moral fortitude being tested and pushed to the limit. That's how you learn about characters and how you become more personally attached to them, I think. So I think the Mandalorian's done a great job of that. But here's where wrapping up season one, things are coming full circle. We have the uh, all-star team getting together and going on an adventure. We've been primed for this all season long. So let's watch it play out. And that is, to me, a truly effective way of not only conveying Star Wars, but just storytelling in general. Yeah, I think that um, it's important for people to keep in mind that it's not just about establishing these side characters, but by watching the Mandalorian interact with these characters, we're learning more and more and more about him in each episode. So that by the time we get to something meaty, we know who we're dealing with here. Um, And, you know, there were times where Jim, you know, looking at the Clone Wars and even Rebels, we would be somewhat critical of these what we would call them filler episodes. Um, but they were they weren't necessarily even showing you more about the characters really. I mean, they they truly were filler where nothing was advanced. I felt this it, because this series is so new and these characters are new. Even if it doesn't advance the overall mythology, it's still advancing the story and the universe that they're creating. So I still, you know, at season one, I'm still very very patient with this kind of stuff, um, and I'm willing to give them. You know, a bit of a break, but yes. Yeah, so the, he goes and he he he. I don't think up. they need to be given a break. I think they're nailing the execution of the storyline and the plots and unfolding and letting these characters emerge in a very natural process. I don't think that there's. Uh, I think they're doing a, a wonderful job with this show. I, I wish more television would take notes from the things that are going on in the Mandalorian right now. They're doing it right. Well, it certainly works for. I think uh, live action Star Wars television. Um, so we go back and we uh, we meet some familiar characters. By the way, uh, before we go any further, I do want to just uh, let you know that we are taking calls 708-866-1737. 708-866-1737. Give us a call. Let us know what you thought about this week's episode. Uh, we'll pop you on here in just a few. 708-866-1737. Please give us a call. Um Let's let's talk about where we find these characters. Uh, Kara, I believe, is was still on Sargon. Yes, yeah. and though she's uh, apparently making some money as a as a fighter, which is somewhat uh, ironic, as right. we all know that uh, Gina Carano is also a, is also a fighter. Art um, imitating life for sure. for sure. And and what makes it so great about Gina in this role? is the same thing that made Ray Park great in his role as Darth Maul, is that you knew what you were seeing on screen wasn't some sort of Hollywood magic show going on. These were legitimate athletes doing what they do best, world-class athletes showing you what they can do. And with Gina Carano, 
You know she packs a wallet behind that punch. You yeah. know she's not relying on stunt doubles to right. do the work for her. Right. And the exact same thing was true and still rings true to this day with Ray Park's depiction of Darth Maul. Speaking of no. Ray Park, uh, we got to see another Zabrak, it looks like, at the beginning <laughs> of sure the uh, episode. A, sure uh, a fleshy-colored one. Again, where's the color? Where's well, the color? Uh, I know, I know, I know. They're not all... However, in the, in the um, Clone Wars, those yeah, were fleshy uh, ones. Acts, they, they often did have red skin co- tone or yellow skin right. tone. that's right. But not necessarily yeah. like a Caucasian... Right, you know, yeah, right. I mean, that strips away a little bit of the exotic quality of these alien species. I got to be honest. At first, when I saw them fighting, I, I questioned whether it was Ray. I said to my 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 wife and my kids, I said, "Is that Ray Park?" Because just in the face. Oh. And then um, my wife's like, "No, no, no, no." I mean, this is my wife correcting me. She's like, "No, no, no. Ray Park's not that big. Ray, you know, Ray Park's." <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he's big, but he's, you know, not yeah, anyway. Um, not, but it but doesn't he, take much of a suspension of disbelief to imagine Gina uh, could, uh, you know, take on just about just about anybody. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, I've seen fight footage of her. Uh, she's not some little, uh, you know, 90 pound girl going up against, a, you know, no, 250 pound and, you know, dude. And that happens a lot in The Walking Dead where you don't have the confidence behind a lot of these characters you'd be like oh that guy's a skinny little puke oh she's like a little girl how is she taking on a whole gang of bikers you know i mean it's impossible but in this instance and of course with you know star wars and superheroes we 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 stretch the imagination to its nth degree guys or girls it doesn't matter but with gina carano specifically you know that uh she can kick your ass and you have confidence in watching her embody that characterization in that specific character of Cara Dune. You have all the confidence in the world. Very similar to, like I said before, uh, you know, when I was talking about Ray Park, when I heard that the guys from the, the film, the raid were going to be in the force awakens, um, playing kanji club or whatever they were playing <laughs> i was right. just i could not wait to see those guys in action because those guys are responsible for some of the most intense and insane especially in length of the actual brawl themselves if you check out these raid films i mean they're gonna knock you on your butt and um and uh those guys in kanji club really didn't amount to much other than raftar food yeah but um, all right doug mccool here is uh throwing out a question here about the fleshy colored or caucasian zabrax he says aren't they iridonians versus dathomirian well and i've also heard them ref- well okay the dathomir thing mm-hmm. um zabrak and iridonian mm-hmm. okay so you have like Iridonians specifically from the planet Zabrak, and you have Iridonians specifically from the planet Dathomir. Dathomir, That's where I think you get your red-toned flesh Iridonians. I think you get those from Dathomir. Mm -hmm. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. Iridonians from Zabrak? Are they Iridonians from Dath... It's been a long time, guys. It's been a long time. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they really, oh, thank you so much, uh, Brandon B., who says, you two are the best thing about Star Wars these days. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Everyone knows that go that's, on. Uh, that's Star Wars resistance, yeah, not us. Please, go um, on. Uh, and the Mandalorian, of course. Ah, the Mandalorian okay. is the best thing about Star Wars. I joke about Star Wars resistance. However, the last two episodes have not been bad. Um, hey, I do want to say this. Speaking of the chat here, I, some of you are saying that you've uh, already seen Rise of Skywalker. No spoilers, guys. Yeah, don't bring that to our doorstep right now. We we can't. Number one, I can't focus on it, uh, and number two, I haven't seen it, so I don't want to be spoiled. And I know a majority of our listening and viewing yeah. audience. Oh, Ryan's that. leaving. Ryan Fields is leaving. He goes. Too many people talking about Rise of Skywalker. Not going to risk it. I'm out. He's gone. He gone. Ryan but, is uh, out. <laughs> but let, let's talk about some of the people who are generous enough to. Uh, Put a little something in the tip jar here. And uh, I was uh, talking about Brandon B., mm-hmm. um, who uh, threw us a, a cool $4.99. Oh, and says, nice. uh, how about that reveal that Baby Yoda isn't a clone? That was huge. Hmm. And it sure seemed that Queel was speaking on a level of authority when identifying clones. Yes. And he, did, he did identify Baby Yoda. He said it did not seem like something that was harvested. I don't remember the exact. Yeah, because he worked uh, at the he was using. genetics. Uh, not it's plant, the, but whatever yeah, he Genetic said. field or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, it's so like they a, a picture of vineyard, vineyard, but just like babies growing. Yeah, you know, I was thinking like Cabbage Patch Kids, where they used to show them like you know growing out. Of, it's like Motel Hell, kids version. Well, they've been they've been featuring clones on the Watchmen series on HBO, and that level of cloning is insanity, my friend. <laughs> I mean, we're like you know babies get looked at. Oh, that, that's not good enough. They just throw it into the ocean, you know. But uh, that's crazy talk. We're here to talk about the Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. And so um, so Brandon B. says uh, that Baby Yoda isn't a clone. Now, can we consider that confirmation? Because Quill did also identify Cara Dune as a clone. Could Cara Dune be a clone? What was the Empire up to during all that year, all those years, those decades of... Well, he of, never used the word clone. Um, yeah, but you know what they were talking about. But I don't know that that was conclusive. I think he was just throwing a little insult to Cara Dune. I don't think he was saying that Cara Dune was a clone. I think he was more or less saying, like, ah, this one looks like she was, uh, you know, she fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. I thought that was well, a little no. bit more of an expression than it was a confirmation. He, he claimed Cara could be a clone because she's so good looking. He claimed Baby Yoda wasn't a, a clone be, or manufactured, however he put it, um, because Baby Yoda was so ugly. Well, and yeah, so- okay. yeah, No, all right. My metaphor is wrong in the sense that one was saying ugly. The point being, I think that was a, uh, it was an expression with Cara Dune. I don't think it was confirmation of her does being a clone. Does the character of Queel embody that sort of attitude to you? I don't think well, so. I he, think he has that. I think he has an ironic kind of delivery. You do? I think yeah. he's very straightforward with his I have spoken. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just like, that's the way it is. That's the way I see it. And that's how it's going to be. That's mm-hmm. queer. Could be. But I think that they would really have to, if they're, if they're sticking the flag in the ground right now and saying, 
Baby Yoda, no clone. Cara Dune, likely a clone. They should have been more obvious about it. I mean, I'm looking at the reviews. The reviews of the episode don't even bring any of that stuff up. Not that well, they put any stock in them. It's not Rebel Force Radio. Uh, I get it. I get it. But Star Wars fans listening to, and they bring that to our attention. Guys like Brandon B. He's going to bring that to our attention. I appreciate it. He I appreciate it. I'm just saying that. that I think that they that they if if this is true, they missed the mark. They needed to make it a little bit more obvious. That's all but I'm saying. It could be foreshadowing, Jason. This could sure. be some level of foreshadowing, and yeah. we certainly have seen some foreshadowing happen right. in this series to begin with. We've seen foreshadowing about Baby Yoda. We've seen foreshadowing about the Mandalorian himself. We've re- had foreshadowing about him removing his helmet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have well, attempted to do that, too. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's, it's let's, not going to be that simple. All right. Let's uh, before we're going to take calls here in just a moment, but let's run down the uh, the characters and how they appeared. So we meet Kara. Um, Mando picks her up. Then they go and they meet Queel. Uh, and the big surprise here was that Queel has um, refurbished IG Eleven. So he found the uh, the aftermath of the battle that uh, won the freedom of Baby Yoda. The flats. <laughs> yeah, the flotsam. flotsam, yeah, flotsam and jetsam. So that was weird. that's like an old like nineteen twenties uh, expression, flotsam and jetsam. Um, and actually, wasn't that was that the name of the eels in Little Mermaid? I don't. I, don't, know. I think it might I, don't I don't know Little Mermaid like yeah, you do, right, my friend. Right, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I, I can tell you that that sort of terminology is post war. And uh, that's where the writers of that sh- of the show extracted that mm. and gave it to Quill. And it's just like only Nick Nolte could really pull off that whole dissertation about how he acquired IG-11. That was uh, a lot of narration for that Nick. That was a lot. You know what? And I, I got to tell you, that was one part of the show that kind of... I was like, wow, there's, I mean, during the, the, the time that they're explaining it, I'm thinking to myself, man, they're taking a long time to explain this. Like, do we really need that much? That was the only thing that felt really fillery to me. No, no. See, again, it goes back to building on character. We learn a lot about Quill throughout hearing him. What does it matter now? We learn that he, well, but I mean, it still expands on his character to help you fill out those Wikipedia entries. Or... Maybe it fills out IG-11's character, who we don't see at the end, and we're wondering what happened to him. Man, did we they... something interesting about droids, too, where mm-hmm. it's like, well, droids are neutral. They're not evil or good. They're they a reflection, only carry yes. on, um, what, what did he say? Um, they're, what a they're, their, they're a reflection of their... They're a reflection of their programming. The imprint, yes. Yeah, the imprint. Yeah. I found that very interesting. Mm-hmm. I found that very interesting. So droids do that. So to me, that adds a level of sacredness to droids like 3PO and R2 who are in the ownership of guys like Anakin and Luke Skywalker, mm. Princess Leia Organa, Obi-Wan Kenobi to an extreme. You know, they they acquire. So that kind of explains to you maybe a little bit about C-3PO when we catch up to him in Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. as he had been 
owned by the farmers at the Lars homestead. Well, family. it does, as you say, make them a little bit more special. And sometimes, you know, in Star Wars, we we see droids that tend to detract from the uniqueness of 3PO and R2. You've mentioned the case of uh, BB-8 uh, yes. in some ways. Uh, doing but a bit of that. this new information that droids receive an imprint from their owner leads me to believe that you have droids that deserve a place on the pedestal for real. They're not just blenders anymore. They are honest. I mean, much like the dog resembles, you know, he fits <laughs> into the family that he's part of. Right. right. It's, it always is said that the dog often resembles his owners. Well, I think that's of a similar imprint. And yeah. to me, that expands the whole idea of having that artificial intelligence in the Star Wars universe because they're able to extract qualities of their owners and place them into their own personality. Right. And that while that does make a lot of sense, we've never really heard it spelled out in Star Wars terms like that before. And so when I look at other droids like R2, 3PO, BB-8, even the gonk in the song Sandcrawler, I start to get a little bit more of an appreciation for the character behind those automatons. The um, Some things we've never quite seen before. I've never seen a, a TIE fighter land. That was yes. very cool. That was fantastic. Um, yeah, that, that was... was makes you think of the old Lambda class uh, shuttle that we uh, were introduced to in uh, Return of the Jedi. And then we've seen variants of folding wings on starships uh, in just about every way, right. shape, and form you could imagine. I mean, we, since- we've seen TIE fighters docked. I mean, we saw that in, in, in Force Awakens. We saw them take off from a docked position but never land on a on a planet before that. We have, seen, quite them an entrance. We have seen them parked before, though, with ladders coming from the cockpit and non-folding wings. We've seen That's true. Sometimes right? Star Wars Rebels, especially. I uh, recall a season one incident with Sabine running across a... Oh, but not land. live action, though. We've never no, seen not this live, live action. action. Of yeah. course not. No, 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 no. And and that's what makes it so much more sweeter Just is to, to actually see the photorealistic special effect happening in front of your eyes. Just, it really just is amazing. A few other things we want to throw out on the table for your calls. Once again, that number is 708-866-1737. Give us a call now. Uh, two big Baby Yoda moments. Uh, we've seen Baby Yoda use the force in one instance. We've seen Baby Yoda kind of threaten to use the Force in another instance. We don't know really if uh, he was responsible. I, who shot first, Baby Yoda or the Mandalorian in that episode, right? When he blew up the droid. Um, zero. But that was the Mandalorian. Okay. That was the Mandalorian. Because, right. I mean, there was even that comical moment where Baby Yoda looks at his hand. He's like, what the yeah. hell? All right. you know, yeah, I think that was... And the Mando was standing there with a uh, no, smoking gun. I know, I know, gun. I know, I know. <laughs> the smoking it, gun, Jason. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ruling it out. But uh, something that we did see uh, here in this episode, two big moments, the force choke on Cara Dune. Yes. That was interesting. And I've seen people saying, oh, the, is this confirmation that Baby Yoda is evil? Well, Yoda <laughs> force, or, or Luke force choked the Gamorrean guards on his way into Tattoo and, and Jabba's palace, and that's not... It was because he perceived a threat. 
He baby yeah, and, and, and that's the same with Baby Yoda. Yeah. Baby Yoda is responding to instinct. We're dealing with what a youngling is like when goes untrained. Raw force. That's power why and the ability. Jedi. That's why the Jedi wanted them when they were infants. Is because of things like what Baby Yoda was doing in this episode. That stuff had to be. You know, they had to condition that stuff even among infants in the Jedi Temple when you think of prequel times. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly why, is because this is an element that's running off of instinct and um, infancy (laughs) more than either. Oh my God, if babies could force choke, ladies and gentlemen. If babies could force choke in a real world, I would not be sitting here today. (laughs) I can confirm that right now. My tombstone would have been put up about 20 years ago, okay? I was not exactly the softest touch there at the changing table. Let's just say that, okay? All right. So, full the confession. Other, I'd rather the other the big moment we see is we see the uh, Force Healer, and that's the first time that we've seen that. Yes, I know it's in comic books and probably yes. in novels and all that, but we have oh, not seen that in now. the... Yeah, yeah. We've not seen that in cinematic Star Wars or, or even animated right. Star Wars. We've not the seen an instance time- of Force Healing. But I can tell you the first time I ever really remember reading about that in the expanded universe was in the the early EU novel, The Curse of Bakura. Am I saying that? Is, is that the title? Truce of Bakura? Truce, Truce, not yeah. Epicura. So I'm not even close. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Truce Epicura featured um, Luke, you know, healing himself i if i remember the story correctly he healed himself of some sort of evil agent that was placed into his system hmm. and uh was uh trying to, you know they did this this whole science fiction thing where they were extracting people's essence essentially and placing it into droids so they had droids that were powered by you know um uh, physical neural nets uh you know carbon based Thoughts. <laughs> so, um, it, it, very sci-fi, super sci-fi. I, I think a little too sci-fi for Star Wars, as a matter of fact. But um, that was one of those early novels, The Truce at, how do you say it, Jason? Bakura. 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 That's how you guys say it yeah. in Ohio. Which sounds like and a liqueur. call it Bakura. So, Bakura. the Truce at Bakura. And yeah, <laughs> let's go get some sausage and talk about the Truce at Bakura. But listen. Let's get serious here for a second. At one point, Luke is going through this this transformation process, and and he's able to. Um, if again, uh, you guys correct me on the chat. Um, he's able they to will. pull the toxins out of his system. Right. There was also a Jedi named Silgal, uh, who was a Mon Cal, and she was a member of Luke's Jedi Council post Return of the Jedi in the old novels, and she was also um, what would be considered a Jedi healer. The Jedi healer. And and so now here we have it showing up in, um, for reals <laughs> in live yeah. action canon. Uh, and, uh, that's definitely something that has seen a life in other star Wars mediums prior to this, but this is, I think the first time we're really seeing force or wounds get healed by the force in live action. Yeah. It, it, as long as you don't count, the third Indiana Jones movie when they pour the water from the chalice all over Sean Connery and he's fine. That's yeah. That, that's, that, I, that could be the force because it's Lucasfilm, 
But, doubtful. Uh, probably not. Doubtful. Probably not. I think now, we some people have find- said. Some people have said that when Obi Wan Kenobi comes across, old Ben comes across Luke in the Jundlin wastes after he's been attacked by the Tusken Raiders, that is he using some sort of force healing power we see him put his hand on luke's forehead we also see the same thing echoed later in revenge of the sith when palpatine comes upon the charred remains of anakin skywalker does a very similar move is that some sort of stabilizing um force maneuver you know it's 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 all it's all possible it's all possible i like um one other thing i'll throw out uh, as we uh, go to our uh, phones is uh Queel's reaction to the force power, the force choke. I've heard rumors of such things. We're yes. still dealing, even six years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, we're still dealing with a galaxy that is not familiar with Jedi, not familiar with the force. And you can go back and listen to some of our old interviews with Dave Filoni about the Clone Wars. You know, and he would say, yeah, the whole galaxy, they don't know about this stuff. They're not close to it. It's not everyday knowledge, you know. So he would make the case that people throughout the galaxy, they don't know about this stuff, like, like you know, quite like we do. Now, but there have been inconsistencies along the way. Yes, there have. At certain times, Jedi are covered in the, the news. news and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that. That's and right. I hate that. Yeah, I, I do too. That kind of, when when like real world media yeah. starts infecting the Star Wars universe, listen, it's infected the real world enough. We don't need it in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> right. Let's right. be honest here. Yeah. But um. But yeah, there. You know, the the revenge of the Sith novelization actually begins with, um, it's it's like. Obi-Wan and Anakin. Anakin and Obi-Wan. These are names known across the galaxy. Yeah, for yes, their- that's right. It was in the crawl, I think. Wasn't it was, it? yeah. Well, no, not necessarily in the crawl, but it was definitely in the novelization. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. Novelization. It did indicate that there is media coverage of Jedi accomplishments that yeah. happened during the war. And the names of Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi became something of a pop culture thing Legend. in the Star Wars galaxy. And that to me just doesn't fit in with the overall narrative of the Star Wars saga at all. And it's appeared in expanded universe novels over the years, be it Here's new camp- thing though that's <laughs> weird. Like not only did they never hear of the force, but like no one has ever seen anything that looks like Yoda before. This species really? is completely unknown to these people. Well, I shouldn't well, say anyone. I'm have a, I have a feeling that um, Moff Gideon knows exactly what he's dealing with. Well, yes, he does say. He says that asset is more important to me than you could possibly know. Right. What makes it most important to him? We're dealing with the post Return of the Jedi Star Wars, so the Emperor isn't there. So the and Darth Vader isn't there. So who could be? threatening this guy enough unless mm. this moff gideon actually created baby yoda maybe baby yoda is moff gideon's son for all we know for you know because what bill burr bill burr said in the last episode he looked at baby yoda and thought that it could have been the product of some love making between well, he, the <laughs> in uh he has, he's like did the, you make this you two yeah. make this yeah did you two make right. this right 
All right. And the maternity wards in a galaxy far, far away are a slippery slope. On that note, let's let's uh, open up the phone lines here. Uh, Let's go with uh, we've got Norfolk, Virginia. They want to talk baby Yoda. Hello, Norfolk. Yo. Hi, uh, this is Torquedo. Hey, how are you? Hey, um, how are you doing? Great. Yeah, I, I was thinking, um, when we saw Baby Yoda use the dark side for a stroke, do you think that's connected to maybe his uh, environment that he's growing up with the Mandalorian or even his dietary? Because I never really saw Yoda eat um, meat before. I always see him eating vegetables or porridge. Uh, so well, he's eating the frogs. Um well, it's a, it's a good question. I you know I have I take objection with the the premise that a force choke is uh, is the dark side. I don't think the force choke is the dark side. I think it depends on on how you're using it. If you're using it for defense, yeah, you know, knowledge defense. Right, right. Yoda says the force. Yoda I doesn't say that certain moves. The... What's that? Um, I mean, uh, from the comic book, um, when uh, Yaddo died, um, Luke. Um, accidentally discovered the um, how to force choke somebody. In that oh. moment, it was um, described as a dark side power. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I might be mistaken. No, I don't think you're mistaken. Well, I think that some of right. the tie-in material tr- attempts to, you know, just put too Body. neat of a bow on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that there are certain moves or abilities within the force that are necessarily light side and dark side. I think it's the way in which you use it. Yoda says right in Empire Strikes Back that the difference between the good and the bad is that the dark side is used for attack and the light side is used for knowledge and defense. So I see Baby Yoda with his understanding, his limited understanding as a youngling defending his father figure in this case. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I definitely see that because he definitely sees him as a uh, as a father and as a protector. Right. He doesn't want that to disappear. Yeah, for sure. All yeah. right, man. Hey, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. If I can, I need to jump in here just for a second because I want everyone to know we have heard from our friends at Bose, and they've let us know that we are going to have a pair of... Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Bose, Quiet Comfort 35 Wireless Headphones 2, available to give away to one lucky listener who will be attending RFR Live, Skywalker Rises in Ohio, this Friday. That's right, we are going to have a pair of these limited edition Star Wars Bose headphones that we will be able to give away to one lucky listener. I am so excited about this. Star Wars and Bose have come together to celebrate Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker opening this week. And their headphones are really amazing. I use them. Swank uses them. And we want you to use them. Jason, I love the box that you get these in. You know, packaging to a Star Wars collector. We love our packaging. These Rise of Skywalker Quiet Comfort 35 wireless headphones come in these incredible box that it looks like Kylo Ren's helmet, but there are two doors that separate the center of the mask and you open them up and inside you see this 
poster art, the poster art we're very familiar with from Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker featuring Rey locked in a saber duel with Kylo Ren and the headphones are right in the middle there just calling to you. Put me on and you want to do that. These headphones are augmented reality enabled which means they have these little motion sensors that are planted inside the headphones themselves, and they can tell which direction your head and body is moving in while you're wearing them. And you want to wear them because it's the only way you can access an incredible 360-degree Star Wars 3D audio experience, which you can only access via the official Star Wars app. Star Wars and Bose coming together. You open up the app and you'll see right there, it says Bose. You click on that and it takes you on an audio journey that completely surrounds you, that follows the journey of the lightsaber that we will see Rey using in The Rise of Skywalker. It's the very lightsaber Rey holds as she battles Kylo Ren. And you'll follow the journey of this lightsaber from Anakin Skywalker to Luke Skywalker, finally to Rey. The place you want to go is Bose.com slash Rebel Force to learn more and get yourself a pair of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker Quiet Comfort 35 wireless headphones. Visit Bose.com slash Rebel Force. That's Bose.com slash Rebel Force. Now, let's get back to some Mandalorian. Todd in Columbus. We haven't heard from uh, Todd in a while. Hey, Todd, you're on. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, Todd. I'm glad you're doing the show early, actually, because, uh, <laughs> you know, you guys start so late. It's like past my bedtime. I know. <laughs> it's past our bedtime, too. But, uh, yeah, well, we had the opportunity to uh, jump on a little bit early, but uh, glad you're with us. What's on yeah. your mind tonight? You know, you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I was thinking about the... Um, the preview, well, I don't know what they call it, you know, at the beginning of the episode where they show clips from previous episodes and they kind of did a, a little bit of a best of or kind of a clip show beforehand and they hit on all the main characters that the Mandalorian then goes and recruits for his mission. Right. And to me it was kind of like a spoiler at the beginning where, you know, you're, they're not going to show those clips, those older clips, unless it was helping you understand the current episodes. It's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it helps you understand the episode, but it also kind of spoils that you knew uh, what's coming. And as I'm sitting there watching with my wife, she's she's kind of shocked that I knew, okay, Mando's going to go recruit this one and that one and that one. But it was all in the clips before the show, so I knew yeah. what was coming. Just well, and we, you know, that out there. well, it's a good point, and we talked about it, uh, I think, a couple times in previous episodes that this is clearly, um, you know, leading us to something where at some point Mando's going to have to go back and uh, kind of enlist these folks uh, to help him at some point later on. I, I think they really telegraphed that, um, you know, if. Uh, and look, the, 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 the series is really trying to establish itself, and they've got new people jumping on board and subscribing to the Disney Plus service and all of that. Um, I don't think that they tip their hand too much. I think that, uh, Todd, you're obviously a very, uh, uh, you're, you're a viewer with a lot of discretion. You know, you know, you have a lot of knowledge, and I think you, you follow this stuff enough 
to where it's probably hard for you to think like just the average viewer of this thing. We tend to think everybody watching this is a super fan and listening to the Rebel Force Radio Mandalorian after show. And uh, that's I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. so I don't think they, they took well, anything. Well, I away like watch the recap, and uh, you know, my wife's a good example because she uh, it's good for her to see that because she's not familiar with these characters mm-hmm. like I am. Yeah. Well, yeah, you um, because I was going to recommend there is an option to skip the intro, so you don't have to watch that Funny. recap if you feel spoilers are too much of a thing. And and I agree with you. I, I often wonder why. Uh, when TV shows are going to a commercial break, they'll start showing you clips of things that are coming up later in the show. Drives me nuts. Why spoil it while it's happening? Uh, so I, I can sympathize with you, Todd. But um, I am trying uh, to think, it, Jim, there was a show. There was an hour long drama. And I, I want to say it's the blacklist, but it's not the blacklist. But I kid you not. There was a show I used to watch and they would show you previews of next week's episode during the commercial breaks of the current right. episode. Right. And yeah. they w- would reveal information that <laughs> right. probably a little too advanced for you as you're in the middle of the episode. Right. You're like, well, clearly he lives. I, I don't understand <laughs> why they do it. They're filling time. They often use it for filler, quite yeah. honestly. So they can squeeze in extra commercials and what have you. So they'll drop in a little bit here so they can take away a little bit from another part of the show and, fit in some extra advertising. So if that frustrates you, there is that option, that skip intro option that you'll see as those recaps are unfolding. And you can go ahead and press that button right away and uh, your wife be damned. You're going to get right into the meat of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Todd, anything else you want to mention about this episode, The Reckoning? No, it's it's a great episode. I'm really enjoying the series. So thanks for everything you guys do, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on Friday. Oh, oh can't awesome. wait to see you too. Thanks, bud. Can't wait to see you. Are you going to bring your wife? Are we going to need to do a recap I was for her? Too. I think I'm going to bring my daughter instead. <laughs> That's okay. even better. That's because even better. I would love to meet your wife, but I just don't want to have to do a recap no. before we actually <laughs> start the podcast for her. Get her up to speed. All right. Hey, thanks, Todd, very much. Thank you so Uh, much. Oh, we got AM on the chat. He's reminding me, and I think that uh, he's absolutely right. He or she, I'm not sure. AM could be anybody. Um, It's my favorite time of day. AM says that Breaking Bad and Sopranos used to do that, where they would show you a preview of next week's episode. Oh, Breaking Bad was terrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. I couldn't hit that fast forward button fast enough. Yeah, next week on The Sopranos. And it's like, well, I haven't even seen this week's episode yet. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go with uh, who else we got? We've got, oh, Pools, Poolsville, Maryland. Hello, Maryland. You're on with Rebel Force Radio, Mandalorian After Show. Talking episode or chapter Hey, seven. guys. Jason hey, what's up? Jimmy, so great to talk to you guys. Hey, likewise, dude. Hey, uh, I'm a first-time caller, but uh, I've reached out to you guys an email. We need a bell for first-time callers. Sorry. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. There it is. Maybe an R2. Well, uh, (laughs) I just want to say, uh, let's just take a moment and bask in the glory of all the Star Wars goodness that we are uh, enjoying right now. Certainly, it's amazing. It's a lot to keep up with. I have a an app filled with. Marvel Star Wars comics I need to get caught up on. Uh, Star Wars Resistance dropping episodes each week. 
of course, that little movie opening uh, this week, uh, The Rise of Skywalker, which um, I think will have us asking ourselves the question, what is what does Star Wars mean to me? And I think we'll all be searching our answers to those questions as we sit down to watch episode nine this week. And of course the Mandalorian blowing our minds, leaving us with a cliffhanger, a cliffhanger as we fear the safety of sweet baby Yoda here as we're supposed to be now, you know, going to the movie opening this week. I got to drive to Cleveland tomorrow. All five hours of my drive is going to be consumed with, with fearful thoughts of the safety of, of our sweet baby Yoda. And what are we going to do? I don't know how, I don't know how you're going to make it, man. I don't know how we are going to make it. How are we going to make it together? You know, we, we have to hold our hands and pray. We have to have prayer circles. We have to have candlelight (laughs) vigils. You know, this is serious crap. I got to tell you it all. We have to wait 10 days till the, the, the resolution of this, that's going to be the one, Wait between Mandalorian episodes. I don't think we're going to get any resolution. We're not going to get any resolution. Well, I, I, oh, we will. I, I think will. you might you might not have to wait that long because I I got a, a theory based on the show. All right, no and why they did this episode? No spoilers, but let's hear your theory, sir. Oh, I, I haven't seen a thing, so I can tell you there's no spoilers. This is pure theory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the when they're showing Yoda, you know, baby Yoda. With the healing force power, that just made me th- think it's five years after Jedi. Who needs to be healed? And why would the Moth really want this uh, particular species who has this force power? So oh. I'll just throw that out there and see what you guys think. Mm. All right. Well, uh, no. Thanks no. for the uh, thanks for the call. So I think what he is. I saying, know what he's inferring. He's I know what he's. I don't know. That Emperor Palpatine yes. needs he's in the need of some force healing and um I gotta tell you, I just don't I, I don't see any of this stuff in Mandalorian showing up in The Rise of Skywalker. I just don't. I remember at Thanksgiving dinner when my grandma said to me, Do you think baby evil baby Yoda's gonna turn evil? And I slapped her in the face right in front of everyone. And I still feel bad about that. Not really, Grandma. Brittany on the chat. How dare you infer that now? And and here we are looking at an episode where we saw Baby Yoda use the force to choke Cara Dune. We're seeing a Baby Yoda who is now in the possession of the evil empire itself or the, the remnants thereof. And we know that Palpatine returns in The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So, where does that put us here for the next 10 days? Well, remember, though, remember that this series was going to talk about and deal with the beginnings of the First Order. So, my money is on Snoke. My who money is on a that? very wounded... Who, did, who revealed that information? How do we know this? That was reported. Said, that was reported. Reported by who? By who? I don't, I don't have the quotes up for me right now, but we talked no. about it on the show. The people were saying that they were disappointed because they would rather hear more about the aftermath of the Empire than they would the beginnings of the First Order. So the is First Order origin... 
Yeah, it was Favreau or Filoni. It was somebody credible enough for us to talk about it. Looking at me yeah. like I'm from Mars all of a sudden. Well, that's... we covered it. It wasn't some crap website. Jeez. Um, so no, my I, money's on Snoke. I, I don't think that we're looking at. Uh, I don't think we're looking at a so Palpatine thing. I just right. I, I didn't mean <laughs> to be so aggressive. All right. I, I was just wondering who was the one. And it's an Entertainment Weekly article from this past September with the headline, The Mandalorian to Explore the Origins of the First Order. There it is. And it was John Favreau mm-hmm. who uh, was uh, involved in uh, some sort of uh, press junket situation here. I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. Um, uh, okay, Dave Filoni. This doesn't turn into a good guy universe because you blew up two Death Stars. Mandalorian director Dave Filoni quipped. You get that uh, you get that the rebels won and they're trying to establish a republic, but there's no way that could have set in for everybody all at once. You have in a Western where you go out on the frontier and there might be Washington and there might be some marshals, but Sometimes good luck finding one. So he's obviously saying you know, right. the universe is lawless in certain places due to the lack of empirical rule on the galaxy. So then Favreau says, also, what could happen in the 30 years between celebrating the defeat of the Empire and then the First Order? Teased showrunner John Favreau. You've come in on Episode 7. The First Order are not just starting out. They're pretty far along. Pretty well equipped, Filoni added. So here's Favreau again. So somehow things aren't necessarily managed as well as they could have been if the galaxy ended up in hot water again like that. But nowhere does it say that these showrunners are saying that the uh, we are going to see the early origins of the First Order. It says the series itself is set to explore that, but we don't know if that's going to happen in season one. Okay. We know that by September, Favreau had already been well into work on pre-production for season two. So um, I, I think there's a lot of inference going on here by James Hibbard from Entertainment Weekly to have the audacity to put out the headline, The Mandalorian, to explore the origins of the First Order, just based on those simple comments, those quotes that I just revealed from Dave Filoni. I have a lot of questions about that. I don't, I don't want to put a lot of bank in that about the origins of the first order necessarily being revealed to us, especially in season one of the Mandalorian. And this is where it all starts. And this is where it all begins is this entertainment weekly exclusive. We know that, uh, Lucasfilm likes to go to entertainment weekly a lot with their, uh, their PR, Mm-hmm. And their marketing and everything is calculated that comes out of those offices, ladies and gentlemen. And while Lucasfilm cannot dictate to Entertainment Weekly what kind of to their editors what kind of headline to put on a story, but clearly in this article by James Hibbard, nowhere does John Favreau or Dave Filoni say we will see the origins of the First Order in The Mandalorian. All right. All right. All right. Nowhere All right. does it say that. It only seems like a natural place to put that kind of stuff because you're dealing with an, empi- an empire that's defeated and we're seeing the mere remnants of it. It's leaderless. It's a snake without a head. It's got no focus. 
But a guy like Moff Gideon obviously believes in the message of the Empire, believes in the philosophy of empirical rule across the galaxy, and he wants to reestablish that. And somehow he believes that Baby Yoda is going to give him that power to do it. Obviously, Baby Yoda has a massive effect on whoever comes in contact with it. We saw it happen with the Mandalorian. We saw it happen with all the people of the village that when the Mandalorian was there and they, they fought against that Imperial Walker. And we're seeing again with Carl Weathers, Grief Karga, who only had to see that. He thought the Baby Yoda was going to eat him when in effect, Baby Yoda saved him and healed him. And that was all Carl Weathers need to see it. This is like the TV evangelist who he places his hand on your head and says a bunch of things in tongues. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden you're healed. Praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise sweet baby Yoda. And that's what Carl Weathers believes now. Yeah. He's on board 100%. Oh, but he's going to go start a religion of uh, on baby Yoda. Like, that's the happen. impression I get. It could happen. Uh, right, he's going to have old-fashioned camp meetings and uh, and all that. Anyway, let's let's get back to our callers here. We've spent enough time on on that. Uh, oh no, no, go. that stuff was very important and needed to be said. Ann Arbor, you're on with Rebel Force Radio. Hi, this is Lori. I'm from Michigan. Hey, and Lori. I've I've been hey I've been noticing uh, Yoda seems like he's getting stronger in the Force. Ah. In the first episode, when he used the Force, he passed out. He just collapsed unconscious for a while. Slept. Lately, this episode, he used the Force twice and didn't take his long nap. Mm. What do you guys think? Do you think that's something? Uh, yes. He's getting stronger? No yes. question. No question. Uh, in fact, I mean, Queel says at one point that he, he looks like he hasn't uh, gotten any bigger. He hasn't aged. He hasn't... So I think they're making that juxtaposition of what we're not seeing on the outside is happening on the in inside. And that, yes, he is getting stronger, um, though. I thought it was kind of funny that they opened this episode with him sleeping. And the last time we saw him, he was trying to uh, take out that droid. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we we've. I think it's very clear that, yes, he is uh, he's getting stronger with the force and doesn't need as much time to recharge those batteries. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And also I'm wondering I'm wondering who's tr I mean, if you think like who trained him to use the force choke? How would he know to use that? Well, your species I think it's it's been indicated to us is uh, uh, their particular species is very strong with the force. So there might not be too much training necessarily needed by a, a toddler to be able to start exhibiting force powers. Again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the show. Why did the Jedi want to take these individuals as infants? It's because they really needed to start programming them at a very young age. They needed to start training them right away because their natural instinct, their natural impulse would be to use the force. And sometimes without discretion, as we saw Baby Yoda force choking Cara Dune earlier in this episode. Well, that leads me to my other thought when I was sitting, you guys mentioned that, Mike. Well, then, then that would that explain Ray bring to the Force Awakens? Well, nothing explains seems, me until we go into the theaters this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Without, without the Rise of Skywalker, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking, generally speaking, that seems to be a complaint about Ray. 
that she knows too much. She picked up too much. Yes. Well, yes. Well, you know, here's the thing you know with Ray. Saying? Here's the thing yes. with Ray. We, 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 we haven't seen Ray lose a fight. You know, when we saw Luke, uh, Luke got his, you know, the, the, the three years between, or what was it? Two years between Star Wars and a new, and an empire, a new hope and empire, two or three years. Yeah, I think three, but around there. Yeah. Okay. All right. During that time. Okay. So there's three years that advanced and yes, Luke has gotten more powerful. We see him in the Wampa's lair and he's pulling the lightsaber to him. Um, Vader finds him most impressive, but he still gets the snot kicked out of him. And then another, uh, <laughs> you know, then another three years goes by or two years goes by between uh, Empire and Jedi. And, you know, and Luke doesn't think that he's anywhere near ready, anywhere near ready. It's not until Yoda tells him already know you that which you need. And he's like, oh, then I am a Jedi. And Yoda's like, oh, not yet. Not yet. Whereas that's that's been, you know, a big a bit of a hang up that I've had with Ray. Great character, but she's just been invincible this whole time. There's no there's no there's no threat. There's no concern. No there's no setbacks. worries. No the setbacks, setbacks at all. She's received is just general disappointment about her parents being dead. And of course, well, she's just I, sad. She 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 gets disappointed. Well, <laughs> but she never gets defeated. And what I would have liked to have seen, and what I hope we see in The Rise of Skywalker, is a ray tempted by the dark side. Because that's where the true test is for all Jedi, is how they're able to filter out those dark side impulses that come with being a master of the Force. So we need to well, see if you that. Look at what, sorry, guys. No, please. Um, if you look at what Luke said, um, when he, when the last Jedi, she went right to the dark. She had no problem. She didn't resist it at all. So that's why he didn't want to train her. Her raw power. Yeah, right. And 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 it's it's interesting you bring that up because that does draw a parallel to Baby Yoda, who went right to the dark <laughs> by choking Cara right. Dune. If we are, to I'm assume, not going there, you guys. I think, I'm not. It's, I think I, it's, a force choke is a dark power, but I think it's based is based on intent. It's not a His dark power. Then that she means that Luke it. Skywalker would have been utilizing dark force uh, yeah. powers when he entered Jabba's palace. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, but maybe he, he was. Kind of did. Maybe he was. Okay, now, no, maybe he was. That's right. So if you look at the look at the visual evolution of Luke Skywalker from the white shorty robe to the beige and then on to the black. I mean, we see, right, we see Luke and he's in the black. And it's really not until he looks down at his mm -hmm. mechanical hand at the end that he realizes that he has been on a dark path this whole time. So and when did he have to look down at that mechanical hand when he got the reminder that he had that mechanical hand and that reminder came during return of the Jedi right. when he might've been tapping into the dark side a little bit and through the wisdom of the force and its effect on everything that happens. Luke took a blaster bolt to the hand and that was the force's mm -hmm. way of reminding Luke, don't yeah. go too deep. Mm -hmm. You choke those Gamorrean mm -hmm. guards and we were watching says the force right <laughs> the royal well, and, also, Yoda, and also yoda talks about return of jedi uh he goes once you start down the dark path forever will it dominate your destiny consume you it will mm -hmm. so 
how far down the dark path do down? you go? That's a good that, yeah. That's a great question. Right. Because that is a very I mean, because- specific concrete lesson that Yoda gives to Luke that once you start down the dark path, it sucks. I think Yoda is um, being hyperbolic when he says something like that, right. just trying to, you know, like a scared straight situation for Luke by saying, don't even try it. Don't even attempt it. You hear a lot of addicts talk this way and, and rightly so there's even a taste is going to make you completely give up your life for this thing. And, uh, and I, you know, sometimes I look at the dark side, like an addiction for some of these characters who are strong with the force. Why do they continue Mm -hmm. to, to do the things they do for power? But it seems like they lose so much along the way. And that's because they're delving to the dark side. The dark side will take something from you if you decide to use it. And that's a big message that I don't think people really talk about too much in Star Wars, that if you try to use the dark side, it's going to use you. And you have to be careful because it's going to use and it's going to take. And um, for as much power as you might think you are assimilating into your particular personal situation, you might be losing so much more along the way. That's how you get blinded by the dark side. That's how the dark side clouds and, 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 and suppresses the light side of the force. I'm going to toss this out here. A Charles on the chat just says, so... Moff Gideon does not have spurs on his boots. So who was that? So is it Fett Armor? He's talking about, you know, at the end of, I think it was chapter five, when the bounty hunter's body is covered by Yeah, we haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, so Gideon, no spurs on the boots, at least as he appears in this episode. Hey, Lori, thanks for calling. Appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Great questions. And, uh, well, thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're so welcome. And uh, please keep uh, listening, keep watching, and keep calling. Um, all- call. I, I love calls that just like in conversations that just cut to the core of the force. I mean, what are we really talking about here? Yeah. And I think Lori brought a lot of that to the conversation so much so I had to put my Jedi that. foot on. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, is, is it Jedi or is it dark side? I think it's kind of dark side. It's a little dark side because it's dark. dark. Is, you yeah. know, I could do the, I could do the uh, Sidious where you don't see my yeah. eyes. <laughs> right. Just the nose. Yeah. Like, hey, Great nose. Know, it's Great like nose. Uh, you know, I, I go to work like this a lot and I go into meetings and my bosses get real upset to me and I say, hey, you're trying to suppress my religious freedom here. Okay. I'm Sith. Hey, do you okay. know where Hickory Hills is? I do. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a caller. This is Curtis. He's calling from Hickory Hills. Hey, Curtis, what's going on? Curtis. Uh, Curtis there he is. Yeah. Hey, can, you, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's actually it's actually Curtis from Chicago. Oh, sorry. Uh, you're not from Hickory Hills. So sorry you got placed out there in the suburbs like that. Yeah, I'm uh, out in uh, Wheaton, so uh, not that far away from Chicago. Wheaton. Wheaton. <laughs> yes. I know Wheaton very well. That's where uh, John Belushi is from, Wheaton, as a matter of fact. And his brother, Jim Belushi, went to College of DePage. So uh, I, I can Very fill up, yeah. I can fill up the rest of this podcast with Wheaton, I will, I, I, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did a couple years at College of the Page myself, but uh, it's I have, actually uh, a very good school. This is my uh, first time calling. I'm a huge fan. I actually heard you guys for the first time like three months ago. Um, can't get enough of you guys, oh, and I'm actually you. glad you're, you're calling. You're on uh, Wednesdays because I can't. 
I, I'm busy on Friday night, so I'm glad I was able to catch you guys. But Perfect. Two things. Um, so I think you guys touched on it last week when the Mandalorian had like his childhood when he flashed back and he went into that bunker and the battle droid appeared. I think you guys touched on it. How cool would it be if like, like the clone troopers came and like Yoda was there to save them. And like, that's how he had a soft spot for baby Yoda. So, so the Yoda appeared outside. Right. And so the Yoda appears outside of that bunker because all we know is that a battle droid opened up that bunker and pointed his blaster arm toward young Mandalorian, Mando Jr. And that also mm-hmm. kind of illustrates why he distrusts droids so much, as we've heard mm-hmm. them say uh, you know, yeah. several. They really highlighted that a lot in this episode. Yeah, he's, he's very droidist. Yeah, he does not like the droids. He makes uh, Wooher look like, you know, a, uh, <laughs> a, a, Martin Luther King. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, yeah, I, I, he, so he I, hates I, the droids. So I think life. that that definitely comes into play is that moment where he's um, actually, I think he's actually taken into uh, custody by the Mandalorians or by the uh, separatists, and somehow he achieved his freedom after that. But oh, how cool interesting, Jim. Hold on, I was yeah. you don't think he was saved by uh, no. Republic forces? You think or, that he actually ended up in? Yeah. I, I think the common, I, the common sympathy or the common um, philosophy about that moment is uh, that uh, the battle droid finds young Mandalorian and then he is eventually liberated by the Mandalorian Mandalorians themselves. Mm. But what if it is a baby Yoda or what if he is taken into custody? There's there's many different directions that can go. And I, I hope that with this the season finale, we might see the rest of that story being told. I, I can see that happening. Um, but it, it definitely does illustrate why he hates droids. And it could illustrate, if, if it comes down to what you're suggesting, why he shows so much sympathy toward Baby Yoda if the real Yoda himself actually rescued him from that particular situation. I think what we're going to be seeing in the series finale is, remember, IG-11 was left aboard the Razor Crest. And the Mandalorian, as they illustrated a couple times in this episode has a huge prejudice against droids so i think what they're going to do is have ig11 eventually rescue the mandalorian from this and cara so that, the situation they're in right now yeah that was my my second point um they're definitely um quite the cliffhanger from the episode tonight i was going to say i think the ig11 droid and then I think the rest of his Mandalorian buddies are going to save him. There's like a big, a big shootout at the end. And I was, I was thinking like, what do you guys think? Do you think that's going to happen? Or do you, have you guys heard about how, how else are they going to get out of that? No, it's all a mystery to me. Yeah. We have, we have no leaks or inside information, <laughs> here about the, especially the Mandalorian. I think um, a lot of p- insiders at Lucasfilm actually are really left in the dark about where this series is heading. And that's by design. Filoni uh, and, and John Favreau, most notably, is uh, definitely you, you think that J.J. Abrams keeps it locked down on a film set. I think you can keep things much more secret on a TV production than you can on a major motion picture 
production that goes over several years and has a bajillion people working on it and travels to all these locations and sound stages. With a TV series, you can maintain the element of surprise a little bit easier, I think, overall, as opposed to uh, like the major motion picture releases. So, Hey, Curtis, thanks. Yeah, I'm loving the Mandalorian. Yeah, oh, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Oh, no, no man. Wait, thank no, you. No, one more Did thing. you have something else? I like Curtis. I want to hear one more oh, thing. Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm loving the Mandalorian, and hopefully Ryan Johnson stays away from it. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was worth keeping him on for. All right, yeah, buddy. Me. Thanks very much. Hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, let's go international. I think we've got somebody here from. Oh, did we just lose him? Oh, shoot. Uh, we had somebody on from. Uh, oh, no. Here they are. Here they are. We got someone from uh, Great Britain. They're staying up late with us over there in the UK. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. What's going on, UK? Yo, uh, Jim, if you smack your grandma at Thanksgiving, uh, give her another one from me at Christmas because Baby Yoda <laughs> is too pure. <laughs> I smack you. Granny around. I'm walk yeah. out of my house with two handprints, one on both cheeks. <laughs> Walks out of there. <laughs> yeah, Matt, I'm just calling about... Um, the Cara Dune character, yeah. uh, specifically Gina Carano, um, to me, she just doesn't feel Star Wars-y. Hmm. And I don't know if anyone else has had this complaint. Um, I don't know, she just, to me, she just feels like she's got one expression. Yeah. I, just, I don't know if she's convincing me that's the thing. Um, and that's not just been her either. I'm enjoying The Mandalorian lots, but um, I felt it with the Toro guy as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just what the, the whole thing feels so... Um, high budget, but then mm-hmm. some of the actors feel so low budget, and that just sort of brings it down the tiniest bit mm. from being like excellent to like great. I just wondered what you guys thought of that as well. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a it's a good question. I will tell you that where Kara fits with me, and I and I don't find her, uh, I don't find Gina Carano a, a one note actress or a, or a one note character. I don't think that she's been you know stretched in terms of her story yet maybe they will do that i think she's kind of um i think she's a device i think that uh i people are gonna be mad that i make this connection but i i think she's kind of that world weary han solo type i think she no, just doesn't no, impress easy be that. that's a good connection to I, make I, actually well i don't want to say oh swank compared her to han solo i'm i'm just saying that i think that is sort of she is sort of a voice of reason and all this. She looks at Mando like, are you crazy? Why are you doing all this? What is this creepy thing? You're doing all yeah. this for this? So I, well, that's, yeah. where I, that's where I... It's not like she completely yeah. puts me off mm-hmm. the show. It's just, she's just sort of that one little thing that can drag the whole thing down. Um, like just that tiny bit from it being absolutely excellent for me. Yeah. It's just, it's just a few of the characters. Like, I noticed that it was too happy on the show, so I decided to ring in. <laughs> no man, we no 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 no. Um, we want no no. That this is this is a forum for this kind of stuff. I'll be honest with you. I there were um, Carl Weathers a few times. I'm like, man, is he chewing yeah. the scenery a little bit? You know, yeah. it's. Uh, but then to me, again, Carl there's Weathers always... actually really suits it though. He really what? He just feels Star Wars. Though. You know, you that, there's that thing that you can't put. You, well, sure. Carl Weathers to me feels Star Wars. I don't yeah. know. It's not a major thing, but with Cara Dune, it's just she's just not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. Star Wars factor. I don't know if it's just me, but I think her outfit looks a little fan filmy. 
Uh, like like she's wearing yeah that, you know, that, that could be yeah. a big factor yeah i think her i think her outfit is just yeah it's a little too fan film for me um but i dig it i mean i i dig what she's doing i dig what she brings but yeah i mean there is a certain element we've talked about this of camp in star wars uh dialogue and in the delivery maybe camp's not the right word maybe it's more of that we've talked about it that sort of like 1920s 30s 40s very efficient style of of acting you know the eddie g robinson yeah. jimmy cagney kind of big you know uh exaggerated uh, kind yeah, of yeah. delivery um but then you look at han solo you know harrison ford and remember, he was very subtle you know uh, compared to some of the broader strokes yeah, that were being yeah. painted by like mark hamill Gina's acting does have its yeah. limitations. Mm -hmm. My wife is a casual viewer, and she made some comments about Gina's delivery. Mm. How she kind of has a delivery that maybe you know um, a little um, more experience might benefit her. A bit soapy, like a soap. Like ah. a what? Like a soap opera, he said. A soap opera. Well, That's uh, a it's a British thing, like a soap opera. Yeah. Soapy. Mm. You call them soapies? It's just a soap. It's just a bar of soap. But one more thing, actually. Yeah, please. I, go, um, I remember you guys, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, you were talking about cliches and, and some of the dialogue mm -hmm. in The Mandalorian. There was one glaring um, thing in this episode for me. And I it might have actually been Cardu, not to rail on her too much, but... She actually just says the words, it's a trap. And it just felt so on the nose to me. Oh, I didn't catch that. Did she say... Mind. Did she say it's a trap? I'm I glad think she that specifically that said it's a trap. Well, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That 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 particular um, that that yeah. line has it, it only took on any sort of significant meaning after the robot chicken guys had their <laughs> way. So I wouldn't. They uh, memed. They oh, memed that. That became a meme yeah, at that point. Yeah. Knowing Swank didn't get hung up on that line means they executed. <laughs> Just fine. Is that something I, I would I have brought up? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, anyway, guys, thanks for taking my call. Oh, well, thank you, man. Um, you hear the last thing. I didn't hear the last thing you said. What was the last thing you just said? We were, we were yucky. Oh, yeah, I was going to say um, the, the family guy uh, trilogy was better than anything the robot chicken guys did. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, of course, is all. A matter of taste. Uh, it, well, the Family Guy too. I mean, you have to appreciate it for the fact that they did parody the entire film uh, yeah, three yeah. times. You know, they yeah. they did all three original trilogy films with with uh, Robot Chicken. You got skits. You know, here, you know, the little wacky skits. But with Family Guy, they actually did try to legitimately retell the story in their own twisted, wacky way. And I have been catching those family yeah. guys uh, recently on uh, reruns and uh, just being completely enveloped in them and finding the humor to be just dead on. And, you know, we take this stuff so seriously that was, that was sometimes. Guys, well. yeah. Yes. We, we take this stuff so seriously but, sometimes. It's it's nice to see that the family guy can approach it and make us laugh at some of the stuff we take so seriously, but yet still apply a lot of love into it, yeah. and I think the family yeah, guy. That's, did that's, that the part, that's the part that works. It doesn't take the complete. It, it gives it that love. You can tell yes. it comes from a place yes. of Seth MacFarlane actually really. You can say, I know what he wants to say. Anyway, he wants to say he's like too love. He says it doesn't take the piss out of it completely. I I know you Brits. <laughs> I know what expression you were wanting to say. <laughs> 
Hey man, thank you so but much I don't for want to be calling. Like Paul Bateman. I don't want to just swear, Lord. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, um, thanks guys. Uh, oh, it's our pleasure. I've been listening to the show for years. It's my first time calling. It means so much for you to have me on. So oh. I'll definitely call again. Pleasure, yeah, please sir. do. Please do. Thank you so much, and say hi to Paul if you thanks, see him guys. over there. I just <laughs> yes, assume everybody knows each other, you know, over there. Yeah. Hey, uh, we got a few more minutes where we can take a few more calls. I just threw Rob's. Uh, comment up here in case you're keeping score i always forget that leia also says it's a trap she screams it to luke on sure uh, on cloud city so akbar doesn't have the uh monopoly on it's a trap that's for sure you don't um, have to get wrapped up with that you know right it's a oh, robot chicken bit we got somebody from uh from my neck of the woods from ohio ohio you're on the air with rebel force radio hello ohio Hi, how are you? I'm great. We're great. How are you doing tonight? Um, good. I love the show. Thank you. Um, I uh, I I've been watching it or watching and listening, I should say, and got my husband watching and listening. Oh, awesome. We're huge Star Wars fans, but anyway, so I want to talk about this Tie Fighter. Yes. I absolutely died when I seen this Tie Fighter land, and then the wings collapsed like an yeah. X-wing. Love what it. is that? To me, it re- resembled more of the Imperial shuttle that we see in Return of the Jedi. It's it felt more like a take on that. And we see Kylo Ren, his shuttle, the, the wings sort of fold in and everything. But uh, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, could this be the way Tie Fighters have always operated, and we just never knew it? Eh, maybe. So somebody right? pointed out. They said, "Oh, but that's much bigger than the normal Tie Fighter." <laughs> So how the hell do you know? What are you standing right outside the thing looking? No, how do you? Know? But um, th- that's just some of the, the the early things I've heard about this Tie Fighter. It has a name, uh, a specific name, right. I believe. But um, I mean, it, like, is this sort of a an elite Tie Fighter? What's up with it? It was very right. dramatic. Is it is it for the moth? I think it's for the moth. Is it a yeah? Is it a special one? You know, for the upper management. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a it's a moth only. Yeah, it has serious XM. Right. It has uh, all the accoutrements. You know, it, <laughs> but it, they it, never it, let you cancel that damn subscription. Every time you call to tell them to cancel, <laughs> it's a it's a nightmare. Um, you have to ask for and, retention. Uh, oh, and if you don't get retention, ask Uber. for the president's office. <laughs> Do I have to explain? I wonder if they have an Uber. An Uber, yeah. Right. yeah. There's probably an Uber in Star Wars. <laughs> but you made I don't the, know if the wings would fold though. You made I, the I, comment earlier, Jim, about how shiny the, you know everyone around Gideon looks. The Death Troopers looked very shiny. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely a huge difference between the, uh, the 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 TK the TKs that jumped out of the transport versus the ones that were there with uh, Herzog's character, the client. So this is definitely um, you get a sense that these guys still think that there's a war to fight. Yes, yes. Or at least um, I'm surprised order to maintain. Uh, What's that, Melina? I'm surprised you guys weren't I'm surprised you guys weren't dressed up to be one of the background for the stormtroopers. Is it true that they brought in the is it the five? It was it was the five oh first. The five oh first, that's right. Well five oh first. We're yes, only honorary yes. members of the five oh first. We're not we're not we actual members. Honor. <laughs> we don't have the armor or the honor. <laughs> we have neither well but, we can all we all have goals right <laughs> that's right that's right well hey Maybe thank someday. you very I'm much much of a um a cosplayer i guess yeah, I, i'm not either thanks melina appreciate it 
Uh, nice to see Ohio represent tonight. Let's uh, let's go to how about what is this? Uh, this is uh, Alabama. I think we got Jeffrey here from Alabama. Final moments here on this episode of Mandalorian After Show Rebel Force Radio. Hello. Hey. Hey. Uh, uh, the name's actually Noah. Oh, sorry, Noah. Noah. I had. Oh no, that's fine. I had two quick things I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about. First of all, um, I was watching Rebels yesterday and remembered that there is a precedent for Ugnot speaking um, Galactic Basic. There's a, a character named Turba who's only in one episode. It's called Steps Into the Shadow. And um, he was like a, like a prisoner that um, Hondo met, and he ended up dying in that episode, but he did speak English. Oh, I remember. So um, that was cool to see. Yes. Oh, okay. In a spectacular um, Tie Fighter incident. Oh, I, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what was his name again? Atmosphere. <laughs> I remember right. him. Uh, like Mini Me style in Austin Bowers. What was his name? Turba? <laughs> uh, yep, Turba. Now, can we all agree that Quill is. Our favorite Ugnaught of all time. Oh, we can all agree on that, oh, right? Sure. Has there ever been an Ugnaught that could even approach the greatness of Wheels? I really was bummed. I he was. I, I liked him in the other episodes as well, but in this episode, I just was like, oh, I love this guy. I was actually thinking love about him. that. I love this guy. I love and the then, little fight that he has with uh, with Kara. You know, and, and then they're kind of calling each final other fate. out. I mean, you know. Oh, you know, he's on he's on the blurg he's you think he's gonna make it and you're just praying they the, the way that they on this show which is like you said jim a very basic action adventure story every week the way at least for me that they build the suspense and they yes. keep you guessing throughout right uh i just i really love it and i well, i he did a brilliant job with this oh. where you could see he was within reach of that lowered boarding ramp to the razor crest you thought there was a chance we even got yeah. a camera angle from yep. the, uh, the boarding ramp itself showing quill approaching it and he didn't make it and i it's just so upsetting because we know so what we know about him. He spent his life, which is the length of three human life times. Okay, so we know that about an Ognot mm. is they they reach uh, seniority in their life after they've lived to be about two hundred years old. You know, wow. two hundred fifty years old. Let's face it. He said three human life lifetimes, and that's how old Queel is. You know, it's always interesting to me to learn that Chewbacca was two hundred years old or Yoda was nine hundred years mm-hmm. old. But we can assume that Queel was well over. The ripe old age of 225 years old when he talks about living three human lifetimes. And to know that he fought the good fight all along the way, he played, he paid off his clan's debt. He won freedom for himself via his skills and his hand, yeah. his handiwork, and, and, and to just see it all just poof, go away as he's trying to protect our sweet baby Yoda. <laughs> and he he just couldn't do it. I mean, we're all rooting for him. We all want him to succeed. He is a character that is grounded in integrity. And you hate to see a character like that just get snuffed out. But it adds to the dramatic tension. And thank God we could see sweet baby Yoda moving his head around a little bit as he lay there in those lava fields 
And that speeder bike scooped him up and took him away to who knows what. Uh, the possession yeah. of evil. It was rough. And there was a moment when I when they showed Baby Yoda laying there in the blanket. And I thought, is that a decoy? Did he somehow leave that there to a- attract the guys on the speeder bikes? I, I'm like, what is, is? I don't know. Is that is that a watermelon in there? What's going on in there? And it really was Baby Yoda. I, I mean, I was holding out hope. To, this is what an optimist I am. I was holding out hope to the very moment they pan back and show Queel laying there lifeless with lifeless. the blurg. My wife was really. She was really uh, bummed about all the blurgs and the carnage. The blurg carnage in this episode, we got the the, the Minox carrying them away. One got completely carried away. The other one was Taloned. And then, uh, yeah, it was just, and then the it, last it, one so was shot. Quill had, Quill had the last one. And it was so, so sad. It was, it was so sad. And his last yeah, words like were, were, I am smoking. No, it was... Uh, <laughs> He has spoken so, for the last time. God damn it's real. Do you spoke. think it is the last time? For <laughs> real? Like, oh, yeah, he's done. He's toast. Quill is gone. Quill is done. Gone. Uh, oh, I am uh, smoking. Okay. <laughs> I am smoking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We've oh, lost man. Spike. But uh, yeah, Quill, man, you hate to see him go. And you feel, you just feel for him. You do. And he, he was our protector. He was there to protect our baby Yoda. And, oh, man. You know, and, and he just, he, he failed us his life along the way. What a great guy. What a Can good I, day. Let me did, just, let me. I, really interesting. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just I want to throw this out before I forget it, because it, I, this occurred to me a little bit ago, and I lost it. Now it's back, and. Noah, your your name reminded me of it, but and, and of course, this time of year uh, for Christians, we're thinking about the birth of Christ, the baby Jesus, who would have these healing powers. It's just kind of interesting, uh, and of course, the the guarding of this child, this this you know sacred child who is a savior. I, it just makes me wonder if that's kind of, and we know that Star Wars as a mythology draws from all religions and um, various. Uh, uh, you know, st- stories that we kind of pin our our moral foundations to. I just wonder if that's kind of the vibe that we're, we're you know, that they're going for a little bit, This that there's something sacred and very special. Because otherwise, I don't know why they would introduce this healing power. This is clearly something that is unique to uh, Baby Yoda. Yeah, so I don't well, know obviously it's... we know that Baby Yoda is something that's extremely desirable due to the fact that, you know, so many bounty hunters tried to extract him from the Klaatuinians, how they tie in all this, who knows, um, and, and the fact that uh, the guild is all bent out of shape because the Mandalorian took off with them and the Imperials and all that, and they bring in such huge force, they wipe out their own mm. to acquire this particular asset, of course, Werner Herzog and his gang inside that stronghold all got taken out um, in a sequence that reminded me very much of Godfather 2 when they opened fire on Michael Corleone's Lake Tahoe compound. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Where, where my wife sleeps, where my children play with their toys. That's exactly right. Yes, uh, right. And and so it it reminded me of that. You know, they they were standing there and they all got wiped out. That that star droid, 
bartender. Yeah. I have to wonder if that that particular Death Star droid is the same one we saw in Rogue One on Jetta City during the Imperial occupation. You see it looking up as the that the um, Star Destroyer is overhead Jetta City. I was wondering, is that the very same uh, wardrobe, costume, uh, droid that we saw in Rogue One? Is that the same one? I mean, legitimately. Not. I'm not talking about canon. I'm not talking about timelines. I'm not talking about something Pablo would tweet. I'm talking about, is that the actual getup that was seen in Rogue yeah, One? Interesting. Hey, Noah, um, anything else on your mind? We got to jump here to our last call but oh yeah so i'll I'll just ask you this real quick yeah um it's about the mando so it sounded like he fully intended on sitting down meeting with the client and just shooting him across the table right Right. which i are they trying to justify the whole han shot first thing or is this just not part of the mando's code of honor like that really surprised no, me. Well, I think hmm. I think it's 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 very straightforward. Um that the Mando does not want to be hunted. The Mando wants to maintain the safety of baby Yoda. And the Mando wants to put it into all this BS and seize an opportunity. I knew the second Grief Karga sent him that that message. You know, well, uh, we both survived, so I guess we're even. Oh, come on. Who are you? <laughs> come on. Oh, so you both survived, so there's no grudges? Baloney. I knew that Grief Cargo was setting him up. Yeah. And I think the Mandalorian understood, understood that himself to a degree. Um, but, no, I, I think it's exactly what you hear about the plan, it, surface value it's exactly what they wanted to pull off they thought they were going to walk into that stronghold a place where the mandalorian was able to do battle in and achieve success when he initially extracted baby yoda from it mm-hmm. so he knew, so he had optimism for sure that they'd be able to pull this 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 um mission off um I, I think it was just, yeah, the, the shock and surprise of seeing so many stormtroopers. That's why Cara Dune brought it up so many times. It's for us in the audience to understand that they're walking into a much harsher situation than what they thought they would be walking into. Yep. It wasn't just that she was harping on it. It was a message to us as the, in the audience to know that... This is not as easy as the Mandalorian walking in there and taking the child away from Dr. Pershing and killing some stormtroopers along the way. It was, uh, the the stakes were so much higher and that's why they ended up in the situation they ended up in. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, uh, Noah, uh, thank you. Caller, but. What do you think the connection wait. to Greedo shooting first is? What What do you think it is? Because that that seems kind of off the deep end to me, and I just want to know where your head's at. Oh, so I was just thinking about kind of the legitimacy of just shooting someone mid conversation just across the table mm. without any kind of warning. Hmm. And wondering, I was wondering if they're trying to say like that. That's not kind of unheard of in the star Wars universe that you, you just shoot people. 
Well, I, I don't think that's unheard of at all. I mean, you know, I mean, even Han Solo himself did it again in Empire Strikes Back as soon as he saw Darth Vader on Cloud City on the other side of that dining room table. He opened fire. Oh, he didn't even think true. twice about it. He didn't even think twice about it. And that was in a, a situation where Vader wasn't threatening him. He was just standing there. And Han opens fire. He was having start- lunch. He's just hey, come on. We'd be honored <laughs> if you join us. Bam, 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 bam. I mean, what's worse? Uh, shooting Greedo, a scumbag who has you cornered in the cantina with a blaster pointing at you, s- telling you exactly what he's going to do with you, or Vader just standing there? The whole Greedo shot. Listen, true, listen, listen. Let me, let me put an end to this whole thing right now, okay? Nobody shot first. Okay. Han shot once, and that was it. It was over. Done. End of story. Original trilogy, original version. That's it. Don't even think about McClunky. No McClunky? Don't, think, don't even think about McClunky. Don't think about little head bobs. <laughs> don't think about none of that stuff. There's my tooth. There's my goddamn tooth. Goddamn tooth. I don't even think anymore because of it. I don't even think anymore because Greedo shot first and my tooth is killing me. Oh, all right, Noah. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, last call. We're gonna go to uh, Dan in Utah. Noah Uh, knew what he was doing right there. He's like, I'm gonna call in and start pressing Jimmy Max buttons. That's what I'm gonna do. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. Good talking to you again. Hey, nice to talk to you. Yeah. Hey. So uh, now I'm the last caller. I feel like all the topics have already been uh, exhausted a little bit. Oh, that's all right. Doesn't matter. We're we're it's all about you right now. One of the things that. (laughs) <laughs> all about me. That's awesome. One of the things that just seemed to be overwhelming in this episode is we have known these characters for, what, six weeks now? Mm-hmm. And I felt such joy that IG-88 reappeared and such sorrow that that Quill, mm. you know, met his end. And it's like such amazing writing and storytelling on the part of Filoni and Favreau that we can have such love for these characters over such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um and that the was actors. Just, that was the really all I really had to say. The actors themselves oh, absolutely, lot to absolutely. that table, too. I mean, we have to like them really be, uh, you know, that's the surface value of it all right there is if they pass the test. And all of the characters on this show pass the test to me. Jason said it best last week when he goes, I want action figures of all of them. Well, of course you do, because you yeah. love them. So, uh, yeah, I, I am very impressed with the way that this show has been able to establish our emotional connection as a fan base, how we were able to establish connections to the characters and vice versa, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I think Filoni, Favreau, the directors and the actors and and Christopher Yost too, who gets writing credit for uh, many episodes. Um, these guys, they really know what they're doing and, and, and they're not, they're not, I don't ever feel like I'm being pandered or manipulated along the way, which helps me a lot as far as making that legitimate natural connection, you know, because you can only BS your audience so much before they start to see through it. With the Mandalorian, I haven't felt any of that. And that's why I think this is really star Wars done right. They're really hitting the nail on the head with uh, expanding the universe in such a way 
with live action television. It's just well, Deborah Chow is really has really brought it as well. She's you know she gave us the big Mando battle in chapter three, and then we see you know these uh, skirmishes and fights and battles, and in this episode, she's really had some meaty, uh, mm-hmm. meaty stuff. And of course, she will be taking over the Kenobi series. Right. Whenever that debuts, I'm assuming in 2021. But we don't know. We haven't heard a launch date for Kenobi. It could be even happening as soon as fall 2020. Well, I think we've got uh, we've got cameras rolling in uh, this summer. All right. So, yeah, Yeah. we'll we'll be seeing it. uh, It could be another November launch. I think they'll probably want to bring back season two of The Mandalorian on a very similar release schedule. So launch that uh, in November, a November through December thing. And don't forget, we so, got Cassie and Andor, which I think has already started to shoot. Has Well, yeah. I mean, and of course, that production has its share of setbacks. Um, but they brought in Tony Gilroy to write the ship, just like he did with Rogue One. Makes sense. <laughs> you know, why not? The world. <laughs> so uh, w- will we be seeing hey, the Cassie and guys- Andor uh, series before kenobi um that's positive i think we'll be seeing the cassian in fall uh mandalorian in late fall and then maybe kenobi in springtime 2021 but that's just speculation on my part so we we don't have that'd be awesome these states right now but they're they're going to want to keep us busy as star wars fans with the disney plus streaming service they're going to want to keep us busy dan you had hey, one you last thought yeah. with yeah, just one last thought. I, I, do you guys get a vibe with Baby Yoda, in, especially in this episode, where he, it reminds me a lot of, of Mice and Men with Lenny and oh, George, yeah. where Yoda is a little bit like Lenny, where he just doesn't understand his power and strength. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, to consider the little guy being the big guy. Right. <laughs> especially how he, you know, he, he kind of took down Cara Dune uh, during their, their arm wrestling. And, and it was just such a small little creature can take her down so quickly. Well, that's matters I not. Mean, we know that, that in word. Star Wars. That's one thing that gives me a lot of hope as we go through this next 10 days while we wait for the series finale of The Mandalorian on the 27th. That's something that really keeps me going, is the fact knowing that in this episode, Baby Yoda developed um, or at least exposed a certain sense of self-preservation that he has. He wants to protect the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian protects him. So what does he do? He lashes out on Cara Dune, even when they're just having a friendly little competition. He doesn't understand that because he's a baby. So that leads me to believe that any moth or stormtrooper or, or biker scout, whoever who wants to mess with our sweet baby Yoda is going to have a rude awakening because baby Yoda will take care of himself. Damn it. Maybe we've seen baby Yoda go on the hero's journey here and he's reached that threshold moment where he's going to stand up for himself <laughs> and determine his own fate. And he's not going to let some Imperial remnant suck up, try to take him down. That's not going to happen to our baby Yoda. God bless him. All right. So that's the confidence <laughs> and optimism I want to give you here, our gentle listening audience, as we go into uh, the next few days where we're going to be definitely uh, fully first uh, in episode nine. But keep hope alive. 
because Baby Yoda will take care of himself. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we'll see you next time as we chat about Chapter 8, the final episode of Season 1, The Mandalorian, premiering next Friday. That's the, uh, what is that, the 23rd? Uh, no, 27th. 27th. Well, from all of us here at Rebel Force Radio, I want to wish you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate. It's a big time uh, in households all across the world, and we hope you and yours enjoy a safe and happy one. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks to all of our callers. Don't forget, you can check us out at rebelforceradio.com if you like the Rebel Force Radio Mandalorian After Show. You'd also like our flagship show, Rebel Force Radio, where we bring you the best in Star Wars talk anywhere on the internet every week. Rebelforceradio.com. Subscribe to the podcast. That's it. We'll see you next time. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Man. And remember... The Force will be with you, always. I spoke. <laughs>